strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Welcome to my latest experiment. This is a big one, the one I've been waiting for all my life. I just want to relax. Nice lukewarm bath. <laughs> I don't know how much longer I can hold this. Sarah Connor. Now look, carnage. Dead. Dead, dude. Well, what's fun about that? Quite sweet, really, aren't they? God, I love this street. No one. Hey, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Bill and Claire's Excellent Adventures. As you know, we have our guest person thing. No, it's not a guest. It's our... Your partner. Your mom is a co-host. You, you she gotta just let this doesn't go. want me to be a co-host. She can't be a co-host. Her name is not in the thing. I Well, no, I recognize that's a core problem with the naming system, but I, as far as I'm concerned, that's Danielle's fault for not getting on the boat at the ground floor. I am the excellent in the title. So it's Bill and Claire and Excellence Adventures. Oh, yeah, I get your joke. Bill and Claire's Excellence Adventures. There you go. Okay. All I had to do was move the and. <laughs> like when you multiply, move the decimal point. No. I, I You can't just come that's in and claim that. part of the title. <laughs> that whole title is mine. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, she's the actually. one who came up with it. <laughs> All right, so what are we here to do today? Sing it in the rain. Oh, my gosh. I can definitely tell, Claire, you're a bit stuffy. Yes. Yes, our listeners should know that Claire has been very sick and we actually had to delay recording this episode because she was too sick even to be recorded. So she is a little bit stuffy, but she's going to, uh, how do you say, push through it. Yeah, or else she's going to go back under the stairs in the closet. Back under the stairs in the closet. One we have it under the stairs, but there's a curtain, so you can't keep me in there. Two. Mm, that is true. It's not a closet. Yeah. It's a cur- it's an under area. The Dursleys kept Harry in Potter under the, the stairs. Cupboard under the stairs, I believe. What? What's uh, that's British for a closet? Yeah, <laughs> but it had a door. It did a, have a door. A no, door. You're but right. The Indian in the closet is not a good title for a children's book. Uh, it's inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all of that. Anyway. Kind of like the boogeyman in the closet. So what are we here to talk about today? I already forgot. Sing it in the rain. Oh, right. Because then you were very clearly stuffy while you were <laughs> trying to sing the lyrics. I know I know you're bummed out about that because you were excited to sing for the episode. Yeah, we were going to sing a duet. You're a bit stuffy. Yeah. Not now. Not now. Not now. Um, oh, but okay, so you can't sing for the episode, but this is our first musical. We wrapped up Operation Master of Suspense, which was very on the nose yeah speaking of that i'm looking at your notes here and you have hashtag operation with no yeah, I, why are, title you're th- i'm getting to that that's this is what i'm introing Ooh, right now because it seems like you didn't get to no that. no hashtag that's that's op- what i'm saying hang on hang oh, on a second okay. hang on a second operation. no no just stop stop listen we just finished operation master of suspense which was very on the nose and not very well named is what i was saying mm-hmm and I really feel like I've been letting the ball drop. And this is the first episode of our musicals dive. So yes. I was going to open it up to what do you guys think the operation name ooh, should be ooh, for this? Ooh, I already have one. Now, you should have given me warning. 
I would have belabored this uh, for several days. First of all, if you think that I have time to plan these things other than at 1 a.m. when I'm posting the episode, I mean, I guess I do have time because I sort of know that they're all coming and like we've scheduled them. I've planned about them. I thought about all the titles. And um, yeah, yeah, there is some opportunity to plan them, I suppose, but I don't take it. So I limit myself to the 30 seconds of time that I give myself to think of these. So I'm okay. giving you guys 30 seconds for an operation name. Okay, hush. This is hush too now. much pressure. Hush now. My operation oper- Hush Now is a bad name. <laughs> Especially for musicals. Yeah. <laughs> the operation I was thinking of, I was telling you guys to hush now. The operation I was thinking of was was called Hashtag Operation Singing While We're Sleeping. Because... Because when we watch these movies, it's we will record in the in the night, and then we watch during the like the afternoon. And sometimes you fall asleep or dre- or dreary or something. But way to put me on blast! That's so mean. Look, I have a very rare form of narcolepsy where I tend to fall asleep in movies. It's it's not my fault. <laughs> so what was your operation title? I don't know. Said, operation uh- Hate Mom. Apparently. No, it was Operation Singing While We're Sleeping. But now that I say it out loud, it's a bad name. But I had a, I had two. Operation Dancing Dreams. No, it's a musical. There's dancing, but you. There's always dancing in musicals. Yeah, but you forgot the singing part. Okay. Uh, uh nope. I don't. I don't know how to incorporate sleep into it. Um. I've got nothing for sleep. What was your second option? I was going to say also Operation Singing Dancing on a, on a stage because we are because the movie a lot of the movies are like are like is kind of like a play and in the in the movie in the singing in the rain you yeah singing in the rain there is, you see a lot of stages in the movies because the movie is set in a time where where silent films are ending and sad films are starting hmm. and it is a big part of the movie because they're like something something time and then the girl is super famous and then you hear hmm. her voice for the first time and it's like yeah but the operation name has to work for all the musicals we're gonna watch not just this one operation oh. cinema on broadway how about Operation Butt Muscles? <laughs> what? <laughs> I did. I did. I did notice uh, Gene Kelly's butt muscles. Yeah, all really referencing. talented dancers have amazing butt muscles. It's unavoidable. It's a bad name. Operation Butt Muscles. Also, if we are expecting little kid listeners to watch this. We can't just be going around saying. Are butt, you under the impression that they don't know they have muscles in their butts? Uh, Operation I Muscular Butt Muscles. Under buttocks. the impression. Yeah, that there you they go. That's do, better. They. What did you say? He said muscular buttocks. No. Still no. <laughs> gluteus fabulous. 20- oh, yeah, that's good. Operation no. gluteus fabulous. That's pretty solid. I no. Like <laughs> it's 2020. You don't talk about people's butts anymore. Without oh, their consent. No, I disagree. It's 2020. You talk about people's butts. Yeah. No, we're not doing that as a name. <laughs> All right. I am a co-host in this. We are not. All right, but so far, the best thing that I've heard is Operation Gluteus Fabulous. So if you can come up with a better Operation name, I'll give you to the end of the episode. But I think for right now, we should move on to talking about Singing in the Rain. Uh-huh. Okay. The first of our musical episodes is it's, it's Singing in the Rain. But, you know, I saw this movie for the first time just a <gasps> couple of years ago. Operation Dancing Shoes. 
<laughs> Operation Dancing Shoes is not bad, actually. It's not, but I really like mine. Hmm. No. We're not doing something about All right, butts. So, so we've got Operation Fabulous Buttocks, and we've got Operation no. Dancing Shoes. No, Gluteus. Fabulous. Oh, well, I like to say buttocks. You do like to say buttocks with a really strange inflection. Anyway. It's a Forrest Gump inflection. I was shot in the buttocks. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I was shot in the buttocks, sir. I forgot about that. I'd like to see that. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Anyways, Singing in the Rain is one I saw for the first time um, just a couple of years ago, so it's not one that I've always been a fan of, but I, I've always uh, loved and enjoyed musicals. Um, I'm certainly not averse to musical theater by any stretch. I, I love them. But when I saw Singing in the Rain, it was like like indie dork Billy was introduced to like musical song and dance number loving Billy. And I was like, I didn't know that you could put these things together into a single film. This is amazing. I love this movie. It was awesome. But okay, hold on though, because I'm confused. I would not consider Singing in the Rain an independent film. No, no, no. I, I, I wouldn't either. But like... My love for independent cinema just comes from people who are invested in the art that they want to bring into the world. And it's very, I think the thing about that that's interesting is is how it comes straight from them. And it's not really filtered through sort of what's going to sell the most tickets into something, which I, I don't have a problem with big temple pictures. I think they're awesome. But I absolutely think that there's compromise made in, in what people would put out there. And, and some of it's for the better and some of it's not. But I think that's what I love about Singing in the Rain is that it's really about artistic expression. And it's about artistic expression on the big screen in a new way. And that's incorporated both in the, the plot of the movie that they have. And it's also broken out in the spirit of, of um, uh, Stanley Donnan and Gene Kelly, who went about to make the movie. So it's, it's, it's really all baked into all of that. Um, and I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more later. Um, but what I'm really interested in right now is, did you guys love Singing in the Rain? Danielle, I know you love Singing in the Rain. I'm curious if Claire did. I loved Singing in the Rain. Okay. This is not your first musical that you've seen. Um, I mean, we actually, this is not our first musical on the podcast because we did uh, Anna and the Apocalypse, which is a full-fledged we zombie musical. Bef- I also think that we did one before Anna and the Apocalypse. I think. Mm, I don't think so. There are a couple of musical numbers in some of the movies that we've done, but none that I would really consider a musical in the way that I would Anna and the Apocalypse uh-huh. or Singing in the Rain. But- You've also seen Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, I know for sure. Yes, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. I've uh, the series of of monsters that are the that are Operation Universal Horror. Those those the seven, Monster High movies. Yeah, the Monster High. Movies. Are those all musicals, or do they just have musical so, numbers in them? Not musical numbers in them. Uh, some specific movie like. Boo York, Boo York is definitely a musical. Sure. Claire raises an interesting point that I guess I had not really considered, which is that most of the Disney princess movies, I think, oh, yeah. would, would classify as a musical. No, because... no, I, that's that's what I was getting to, is because yeah. I, Claire's, I, I think you're quite familiar with the musical, animated musical, um, because, because like you were saying, Danielle, all of those movies really are musicals. They're just, they're full of song numbers oh, where the stories developed through song. We have seen some Disney movies that aren't all musicals. Sure. Like the, like the new Lion King. They're like, I, I don't like this at all, Disney, but they're good movies. <laughs> um, I hate how you're taking all the good animation movies and you're turning them into normal movies. Live action. Live I action. I think is the term you're looking for. 
But Claire has also seen Sound of Music, and she really liked that. That's the one with the seven children. The Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because after you saw that, you sang that song um, a, a lot. lot all the time. I got my instrumental talent from you. Yeah. No, yeah, sure. And you look, you're singing and you're dancing talent. I could have been the next Gene Kelly. I'm just saying. Um, no, you I could have. I could have been. I have choreographed you. Uh-huh. And that's I am brilliant. not correct. I could have been. No. I certainly have the temperament for Gene Kelly. <laughs> okay. If you no. had, if Billy. you had practiced, if you had practiced the same dance move for five years, then I believe you could be no, one part. Not of even <laughs> then, no. Because let me tell you something about your dad, which is really uh, sort of confusing, and is I don't only, understand it. Is this only dance his Snoopy dance that he doesn't even do good? No, no, that's not even what you. I'm getting at. No, your dad is one of the most phenomenal piano players I have ever listened to. Your dad is absolutely amazing. And when we first started dating, in fact, he would come over to my house and sit at my mother's baby grand piano and play music. And I would just sit in the chair and listen to it. And for someone who can play the piano so beautifully, he has absolutely no natural rhythm. Yep. None whatsoever. Like, never mind dancing. He cannot find the beat to clap correctly to a song. (laughs) Like... No natural rhythm. What? So I, I do not. He's like one of those deaf children that learns to play think, the piano. I don't think, first of all, that anybody can find a beat. Um, I can't. So yes, I, I can. feel like I I'm. I can. Like you're, you're talking about people who can do calculus in their heads, like they're not computers. I'm not a robot. Nope. I'm okay. Just talking about people What's who can calculus <laughs> pick up on percussion. No, that's is this calculus. That's not a possible. person. Calculus is really complicated math. Oh. Which I, I could do in my head also because no, I'm amazing. No, you can't. No one can do calculus in their head. You need graphs. Okay, 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 okay. I'm the greatest that there ever was. No. We all know that. Yeah. No. But what I would like to explore a little bit, Claire, is, is especially talking about animated musicals and the Disney ones and having a chance to watch the live action. You know, one of the things that makes live action musicals stand out to me is watching the people both sing and dance and do these really amazing, challenging numbers for show. And and I think that's one of the things that I lose a little bit in the animated musicals. Like, I love them. And I, and I love Disney musicals. And, and I love all the animated musicals, musicals that I've seen because I, I like songs. Who doesn't like music? But as a person who's not a great dancer and can appreciate the art that goes into that. Like, I really love watching the human performance of a live-action musical, especially when it's somebody like Gene Kelly, who can, who's a phenomenal dancer, just do something that looks effortless, that I know that if you gave me five years to re- rehearse that number, I wouldn't get to it. And, and I think that's an amazingly inspiring thing to watch, and that's part of what I love about musicals. What about what about you, Claire? What do you what do you take away from a live action musical? What did you enjoy so much about that? What's different from animation musicals is the numbers, mm-hmm. because they're actually taking the time to learn the numbers. That's part of what I love about um, the theater and and going to see plays and stuff like that. You know, the, there are movies that come out where. People are very always impressed with the actors and the performances they do. And they say, oh, man, those are such long scenes. They learned all their lines. And I'm like, well, but have you never gone to see Shakespeare on stage or anything like that? I mean, they all have to learn all their lines. This is a part of it. But I do. I like I like going to plays and seeing people do something live where it's really challenging and it's a really impressive 
use of talent and skill that they have to get right. They really have yeah. to get right. I also love this about Sega the Rain. Yeah. How how they had to change their voices because I know that sometimes you're played apart for your funny voices. Are you referencing Lena Lamont? Yeah. Character. I'm pretty sure that no one talks that high normally. Yeah. So I'm pretty so. sure they cast an actor that either normally that either normally speaks like this and then went to this or normally speaks like this and then went to this. You know, mm-hmm. Gene Kelly was a massive star, right, when Singing in the Rain came out. And pretty um sure. Yeah, oh for sure, for sure, for sure. And um to, so Gene Hagen Right, is the woman who played uh, Lena, Lena Lamont. And I, I think of all of the performances in the movie, she, she may not be my ultimate favorite, but I think that she's actually the bravest performance because this movie was bound to get a lot of attention. And she volunteered to take on a role where her speaking voice character was always going to be deliberately ridiculous and embarrassing. And she leaned into that a thousand percent and is awesome in the movie. I I thought this was such an interesting choice too, given that we had so recently done the Universal Horror Monster films, which most of the ones that we watched were right at the transition point from silent films to talking films being widespread. And I love watching this story of these silent film actors having to make this transition to the talkies amidst the success of the jazz singer from Warner Brothers, like right at this moment. I have to say, I'm surprised you haven't talked about this yet, but the guy, but the manager is just a jerk. He says in the thing, he everybody's like, what are we going to do about the jazz singer? It's a talkie. Everyone's going to love it. And he's like, Psh, no one's going to love it. Three weeks later, the thing is a hit. It's skyrocketing. It's infinity great. I told you we should have done talkie films. Why didn't you listen to me? That's what I love about the movie is it's full of stuff like because RF is he's such a he's such a classic head of studio, right? Like he's reacting after the fact about how right he was before. And all of them are fake and they're full of of nonsense. That's one of the things that I love about uh, The Singing in the Rain is is just that um, I think how closely it captures that sort of fakeness of big time Hollywood studios where it's where it's so I'm just going to say in the moment, whatever makes the most sense and makes me sound the most right and the most correct and the most influential and the most whatever. And they capture that like really well. So what would you say your favorite specific song or number in uh, Singing in the Rain was? This isn't a number, but it is a song part. They say when she's talking, they're like, that's not how she sounds in the movie. Sing something, Lena. And she's like, you're not going to let her do that, are you? And then she goes out and she sings. And then she pretends to sing. She lip syncs. As they were like, they were like, what are we going to do? Um, she will sing over her. Yeah, and so Lena Lamont is lip syncing. Yeah. And Kathy Selden is behind the curtain being her voice. And then he opens the curtains. And then he shows. Then she runs away crying. And that, So like, I like that scene because it's telling the truth. As a plot device, I actually like Lena Lamont's cleverness in that because she really finds an angle and works it to extort the studio head to ensure 
that Kathy Selden's contract is forever going to be used for the life of it to be her voice on the big screen. And I think that's awesome. Like, and, and it was so believable and so well executed um, because you spend that movie thinking that she's such a, she's such a dummy, you know, she's, um, she's really not attentive. She doesn't understand what's going on around her. And she is not that, you know, she, she may be a bunch of other things. She may be, um, a believer of the fan critics. Right. Yeah. She, she may read the gossip rags and think that those are real stories and, and, but what I love about the movie is that, you know, they make a joke out of the fact that she thinks they're real, but they kind of are her reality. And well, it also raises <laughs> the question of like, does she actually think they're real or is she trying to manipulate Don into doing what she wants him to do? I think she's trying to manipulate Don. I think she's a way craftier character. Yeah, and, she and, lets on. and I don't think that's my interpretation of her. I think that she's meant to be a very guileful character character well i think it's yeah kind a of- lot of a lot of this movie is about truth and uh the facade that you present to people and i think that lena is meant to kind of make the viewer rethink how they are perceiving what's what they're seeing and uh around them because in the beginning of the film you come to the conclusion i think everybody does that Lena's vapid and just kind of stupid and if you really stop and think about it, a lot of that has to do with her voice and the way that she talks, the fact that she has oh, an yeah. accent and the way that she dresses, you know, is very sort of over the top. And just because the studio treats her like her face is the only thing of value to her, you kind of start to think that that must be the case. And then when it turns out that she's actually very clever and perfectly capable of trying to advance her own career through whatever opportunities are open to her, you have to stop and go, okay, well, why did I think she was dumb? Oh, yeah, it's because of the way she looks and the way she sounds. I was totally judging her uh, based on her outward appearance. A book, judging a book by its cover. Right. Well, and I think one thing for you to understand, Claire, is that you, I'm sure, have seen a lot of movies and cartoons and books um, that you have read um, that deal with the way that people can treat other people harshly, right? And by judging them by how they look or how they seem and not about who they are on the inside, right? Making a judgment about somebody when they don't really know what's going on underneath that person because they don't take the time to learn it. Hollywood in a lot of ways continues that sort of middle school grade school idea of judging people based on does everybody does this person feel cool right now i don't know like coolness can ebb and flow based on a single moment or a joke that somebody tells and it's all totally superficial it's not real it's just whatever a group of people come together to decide is cool or not cool and hollywood kind of runs on that very famously kind of runs on that sort of superficial hype machine of self-aggrandizement is the way that I would say. And that just really means puffing yourself up and, and talking a big game about yourself. And do other people believe that or do they not? It's kind of like saying that you went to the United Kingdom when really you went to Florida. <laughs> sure. Uh, actually, honestly, yes. Yeah, it's it's exactly like that. You know, if it seems cooler to have taken a vacation in the United Kingdom at the time, it doesn't matter where you went on vacation. You went to the United Kingdom for your vacation because nobody fact checks and you just say whatever is advantageous to you in the moment. And I think that's 
one of the things that is kind of interesting about is, is this another thing that's famous about Hollywood, right? Is that, you know, directors and producers and studio heads can be very praiseful of their employees um, and say, yeah, you're the best. You're the best. You know, Don Lockwood, right? You, you know, RF talking Don Lockwood, you know, you and me forever. And then the next day, Don Lockwood gets a bad review and the press is like, maybe Don Lockwood's washed up. And then RF would immediately say, yeah, I never really liked that guy anyways. He's kind of a jerk and I'm over him. There's no faithfulness. How they're acting is like their property. It absolutely devalues individual human existence. In a very real way, the studio, especially in, in 1930s era Hollywood, the studio would sign multi-year contracts with these stars and they would own their image and the look of them and all of the decisions that they would make about what movies they could be in and how people would perceive them. And they would own all of their publicity in a lot of cases, all of the press about them. They would be the deciders on. So, I mean, they really did control what the public thought of them. Even like you see in the movie, right? Don Lockwood loves Kathy Selden. And even if they can't admit it publicly, he can still sort of have that relationship. And even RF, sort of sees and is aware loosely, I think, that that's going on. He doesn't really say anything about it as long as publicly Don Lockwood does the dance of Hollywood publicity where he lives up to the image that they're selling, which is not necessarily Don Lockwood, the human being. So what you're talking about is kind of like do robots. They could they could have their own feelings and thoughts, but all you could control is their movements or maybe, and maybe their image. I would say that's exactly correct. I mean, Hollywood is very famous for being a machine. And any person who's in involved in the machine of Hollywood is a mechanical part of it. And their job is to do that thing that they do. And so Don Lockwood and Singing in the Rain, his job is to be the front man of this story. And you get a nice taste of him like rising up to the point where that is his role. But famous and successful at achieving that point or not... He is still just another piece in the machine of that Hollywood studio. Now, what I wanted to say earlier was that Lady Lamont was basically taking her role and spicing it up mm -hmm. because sure. she was like making, she was letting on that she was dumb and stupid and never finished school mm -hmm. and that all she believed, that all she knew was what was in the contracts but really what was going inside her head if it was play if, if this movie was from her perspective which i'm pretty sure this movie is from dodd's perspective because you could hear a lot of his thoughts mm -hmm. and feelings so i think this movie is from dodd's perspective but if you played the same movie but it's from lita's perspective and maybe a couple different scenes i think you would come to believe that she's actually super smart like she could have been a a so-called nerd now in 2020 <laughs> what i am saying you guys might think what are you saying nerds are cool now nerds could be billionaires now <laughs> but back in the day when this movie was created nerds were just people who stuck their head in a book and was always top of the class and never had really any friends. Their friend, their only friend was a book and, may, and maybe every now and then a computer. But no. An ant farm. An ant farm. That's not what, that's not what nerds are now. Nerds are, what do you think of it? Nerds are these smart people who could be billionaires. Okay. All right. But what I try to say is that she could have been the nerdiest kid in her class. 
And then what she's doing is she's taking her role of of being a of being a super pretty model person for the silent films, and she is making that. How do I say this? She's making that a. It's kind of like it's kind of like taking. It's kind of like if they were to make them married, they wouldn't actually be together. She would think that they're together. Well, think, quote unquote, think that they're together. That he would be like, we're not together. This is for the press. This is for Hollywood. This is for our jobs. I am in love with someone else. Yeah, I mean, the studio clearly is perpetuating the idea that they're engaged, which is not that much different than telling people that they're married. And even if you pay attention to celebrity gossip now, occasionally two celebrities will get married and they'll stay married for not that long and then get divorced and then people will start saying, oh, was it a publicity stunt? So I don't I don't know for sure. I don't work in Hollywood. Can't say for sure that the studios are still marrying off their stars, but at the very least, people believe they are. I think one of the best scenes in Singing in the Rain that really captures that feeling of what is real and what is not real is when Gene Kelly and Kathy Selden, um, she's, she's in the movie and they're now having a conversation where Lockwood is like, I like you. And Kathy Selden is like, I like you. And then both of them, for different reasons, are like, no, but for real, like for true? And the other is like, yeah, for true, but are you for real? Or is that a thing that you're saying? Because there's because no one can trust another person. Exactly. Because everything in Hollywood is a hype machine. It's kind of like in the Shape of Water film. Uh-huh. They, you couldn't trust the guy after they found out he was a Russian spy because he was a Russian spy. Well, that's exactly correct. Is right. Liars are liars. As soon as you're a liar, you're a liar. And it takes a lot to like rebuild that trust. It's a strange sort of field to build a real relationship in when you know that the entire industry is run on lies about professional capabilities and personal decisions. It's all lies. How do you build an honest relationship in that environment? And they're so obviously in love with each other from the outside, but that moment gives way to that feeling of like, shit, is this person really my friend or is this a Hollywood thing? I cannot tell sometimes. It's so hard to tell. <laughs> kind of like in the car. When he was hitting on her, he actually was hitting on her because he liked her. Mm-hmm. She was like, "You're. I'm just going to be another one of your girlfriends that's like, tonight we sleep together, the next morning you're out of my life, I never see you again. Well, and that's, uh, that's the thing I love about that scene is before she realizes he's a Hollywood star, she's like, get out of my car right now, you maniac. Which is she's what like, you should I, say. She's like, I hear, I. she's like, I've seen you before. You're some crazy critter world that got out of student and got out of prison. I'm calling the police right now. And then she go, then she parks over by the car and she's like, this man just jumped in my car and he's, and he's like, you're lucky. That's the Don Lockwood. And she's like, oh, really? And like, if she was one of those like high school girls, she would be like twirling her hair around her finger. <laughs> She'd be like, oh, really? And then she's like, you know what? We don't got a problem. And then she drives off and then she's like, so where do you want me to take you? And then he's like Sunset Valley. And then he puts his arm around her. And she's like, oh, no. And then she, she's like, get out of my car. But I think that's such an honest reaction is, and, and I think that's something to keep in mind too, Claire, is that even smart people who understand the machine of Hollywood 
can be starstruck. And she goes from rightly thinking that this maniac has invaded her space to being like starstruck by him. And then he's like, he's a creep. And she is like, oh, wait, this dude is a creep. Never mind. Get out of my car, you ridiculous creep. But like that emotional journey is is real. And I think it's very honest. It's kind of like one of those cartoons where the guys, where these two cartoon characters are racing each other in these cars, but then the hill is like, goes super high up, and they go super low down, and they go super high up, and they go super low down. It goes like, it goes like repeatedly up and down. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like those cartoons and how their, how their relationship was, how their relationship problems. First, the, it goes up, he gets in her car, it goes down, she thinks that, she thinks that he's a super crazy criminal. She meets. They meet the police officer, and she finds out that she's the doll Lockwood. He then he hits on her. Then she tries to kick him out of the car. Then they see the movie about the jazz singer. Then he sees her come out of the cake. Then he's trying to hit on her while she's dancing. Then she goes into the thing, and so it's like so it's like a going up repeatedly up and down in their relationship, and their problems are different. Well, it's not always their love problems. One of the things that I think that works really well about Singing in the Rain is that it is actually, I think, a very good and very well-told story where the characters are real people and you buy all of the choices that they make. It seems reasonable. And I think kind of a particularly fascinating thing about Singing in the Rain, all of the songs, except for two, are not new songs. They're pulled from old musicals that they basically wanted to bring back those songs and kind of put them together into a single package so that they could kind of reintroduce them. I think definitely the Broadway musical song was definitely one. And then I think the one where they're like, it's morning time, I think that's definitely one that has been pulled from another musical. And then I think the songs in the movie that is the Broadway one is, I think that one and the Sunset one. Are, are their own. Every single song in that movie, except for the Moses Supposes and the Make Em Laugh number where uh, Make em laugh. Oh, uh, Cosmo Brown is, is uh, doing his very physical comedy dance number. Those are originals in the movie. But everything else is not original. But I think the thing that makes that interesting is that Stanley Donnan, who directed this movie with Gene Kelly, is very famous for wanting to push the boundaries of what musicals could do on the big screen because a lot of musicals up until that point really were stage numbers that they just captured and put a camera in front of almost like you might record a recital or something like that there wasn't very much cinematic craft to them i'm not saying that that didn't happen i'm just saying that that was not the overwhelming trend of what was as far as musical theater uh, musical cinema went and Stanley Donnan wanted to like expand that boundary. And I just, I think it's very interesting that the opportunity he had to do that was really on this musical review of song and dance numbers from years gone by. And some of the ones that he reuses, they like, he clearly wears their influence on his sleeve, so to speak, when he's putting them on the big screen anyways, and redoing them is he makes them fit into this new thing that he's doing. But I guess that's really more to the larger point of, of what I want to get into, which is outside of the Moses Supposes song and the Make Him Laugh, all that stuff was reused. 
And what Stanley Donnan really wanted to do was change what people really thought of when they thought the word musical, which I guess kind of makes it an interesting choice to start off our dive into musicals because Donnan's whole thing is like, make it bigger, make it more cinematic, make it more impactful, make it more than just a song and dance number on a stage that somebody put a camera in front of so that they could show it on the big screen. Like the sunset scene where he shows how everything is a bit done. Exactly. And I, and I, exactly that. No, that's exactly that in a nutshell is because that, that scene specifically when Gene Kelly takes Debbie Reynolds onto the soundstage and shows how simple it can be to create this sort of big cinematic experience, like, you know, put on the wind, put on the lights, you know, bring into the, the ladder to change height and all this sort of stuff. And it it sounds very silly when you describe it kind of like that, but in the movie, it's like watching movie magic be put onto the screen. It's like if you came early for a play, so you got to see everything being set up. Right. It's you see some of the art behind the magic, and what's I think amazing just in and of that scene for itself is that like it does show you how much at ease Gene Kelly and Stanley Donnan are on a film set when it comes like how do we want to showcase the cinema of this moment there's an expression Claire that's pure cinema and we've sort of talked around it a little bit before but I don't think we've ever actually put a name to it what do you mean by talked around it um, we've talked about the concept that pure cinema that that phrase encompasses that it means but we haven't really used those words to describe it. There's this idea that pure cinema in movies is pure visual storytelling. And that scene where Gene Kelly and, and Debbie Reynolds go on that sound set, to me, is pure cinema because the magic of it is not the song itself or the music itself. It's the visual experience of creating this like amazing piece of art that you watch unfold in front of you. It's like watching, um, what's that dude's name who did all the paintings? So he was famous for that. He had the uh, show on PBS for a long time where he would painting show. Bob, Bob Ross. Ross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like watching Bob Ross paint his trees, man. It's just Gene Kelly like, we'll put some lights, we'll turn on the fan, change this up, you know, cue in the music and boom, I have a romantic cinematic moment that you really couldn't get in any other spot. It's it's very cinema and very much something that you really couldn't just do necessarily on a theater stage in the same exact way. Kind of like just changing music. For example, in this show that I watch called Brainchild, it's called Emotions, and they take two of the same clip and they change the music and they make one of the scary music at once and one romantic, saddish music, and you feel sad and romantic in one, but then you feel horrified and scared in the other, but they're the same clip, just with different background music. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely a thing, too, that you'll see people do if you're poking around YouTube, where they'll cut a trailer from a movie that's like a comedy, and they'll make it be a horror trailer or something like that and change it up. But I think that's the art of what Stanley Donnan and Gene Kelly are doing in Singing in the Rain is... They're taking these numbers that people have seen or may not have ever actually come across, but have been out there in the world in some cases for 20 years and turning it into this magical experience that like if you said, oh, you know that song, um, they wouldn't say from whatever musical it came from now. You would say, oh, yeah, the Singing in the Rain song with the clouds and the oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's Singing in the Rain all the way. 
and just changing the presentation of it and having an idea of what it means to do art, especially song and dance art, in front of a camera is kind of its own language and its own thing. Do they, in the, in the songs, like sometimes it'll just be dancing, is that changed too? Or in the, or in the original play, it's just dancing? Uh, no, I would say all the, the music and the lyrics to the music were taken from other things. The choreography is all original to my knowledge to Singing in the Rain as done by Gene Kelly and Stanley Donnan. My guess would be that some of the choreography may be inspired from what came before or at least the thematics from the themes from the movies that they're taking from, the original numbers, but all the choreography for them would be original. No, but what I was asking was, are there like singing parts where they're dancing because they don't have anyone to sing for that. Because sometimes they're like they're like just dancing or tap dancing. Mm-hmm. But that's other times they'll be singing. In a, if you were to watch that original play, would there be singing there or would there be just music there? There would most likely be singing there may be some instrumental parts but you know one of the reasons that singing in the rain is one of my favorite movies is because i grew up dancing and this movie is an absolute love letter to dance it you know it's which is kind of ironic because the title is about singing but there are much longer instrumental breaks in a lot of those songs than originally were in them so that Gene Kelly could dance and we could all watch him dance because he is amazing. This movie has one of the longest demonstrations of tap dancing skill that you're going to find in any major motion picture. You know, there are a lot of movies that have like one tap number. This one has like four or five. A lot of them. I know that the scene, that the scene where he's like doing the Broadway, that's a tap dancing scene. The sunset scene, that's a tap dancing scene. The scene where the people are coming out of this is like, this is sunset, this is summer. That's definitely a tap dancing scene. Yeah. I mean, most of the movie is tap dancing because that was Gene Kelly's, you know, that was what he really excelled at. I mean, he did all forms of dance, but tap, that was his love. And, you know, the costuming in this movie, when when Kathy Selden jumps out of the cake... You know, and she's in all the glitter and the spangles and everything because she's part of a show when they're showing Lena dressed up for filming and stuff like that. It's part of a show. So there's a lot of sequins and highly theatrical costumes. But even when that is not occurring, even when it's just Kathy and Don talking. They still have amazing costumes. They still have amazing costumes that are very theatrical with raincoats and rain hats and, you know, props that they're holding to dance with and stuff like that. And those are all attribute to like dance performances. I don't know if I said this out loud during the movie, but imagine how many outfits are ruined by the singing in the rain part. Because like the policeman outfit, that's probably a costume. And I don't think a and I think a uh, the costumes that you see a lot of, like his costume is probably waterproof. Oh I doubt it. I doubt it. I'm sure it was pure cotton and then whoever that police officer was had to spend the entire day that they were filming that number in a wet police officer's outfit. Yeah. And and the same for Gene Kelly, frankly. I I do not think that those that those costumes were waterproof. I think they just danced in the rain. Well, then yeah. 
And also a funny thing that's just a coincidence. We were watching the movie. It was actually pouring rain outside. We were having like a thunderstorm that we were watching the movie, which is funny because there's a thunderstorm in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it helped build the mood. But the uh, one of the most interesting scenes to me in this film is where Don and Kathy and I think Cosmo is there too are in RF's office and they're sort of brainstorming like, okay, how are we going to save the dueling cavalier? How are we going to turn this into oh, yeah, they're a like movie? And Don says, okay, well, here's my vision. And it cuts to like a dream sequence almost of him dancing. And they use the gotta dance song and it moves through like three or four different settings and it's just one really extended dance number for a lot of it a lot of that um, just dancing a lot of it is just dancing there's no singing to it it's all instrumental and they bring in Sid Charisse who plays the woman in green I believe is how she's usually referred to in that film I'm not sure if that's how she's actually credited I think that is how she's credited yeah and Sid Charisse is an amazing dancer and that scene where she and Gene Kelly are dancing together just takes my breath away. It is so beautiful. And it really doesn't advance the plot much at all. But I don't care because I just want to sit there and watch them dance together because they are both such amazing dancers. But the setting of that dance mm-hmm. and the way that they show it is pure cinema. Oh, yeah. Because you, you they have those big swooping crane shots and they have the big billowing costumes, the reimagining with Sid Charisse of the, the song from earlier mm-hmm. um, with Kathy Selden, yep. where it's in much bigger numbers and much bigger theatricality and much bigger like cinema-ness yeah. to oh, it. And, and she's dancing with what like a 30-foot train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I just like all of that goes into it. And, and, then, and then you get the joke, of course, when it comes back where the guy's like, well, I really can't. I can't visualize it. I'll have to see it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's funny. But it's interesting to me because Debbie Reynolds was a very famous actress. You know, she's been in a lot of movies. She's great in them. And she obviously has a beautiful singing voice. And she can dance. We see her tap and that kind of thing. But I don't think she was really famous for dancing. And so the fact that Gene Kelly brought in Sid Charisse, like I said, I want you to do just this one scene but you and I are going to do some dance steps that are going to blow people's minds. I just love that about this movie. Well, I think, you know, Gene Kelly is as co-director on this film and and really having had such a huge successful career kind of could do the things that he wanted to. And and I think what it's important, you know, Claire, you see Debbie Reynolds in this movie play Kathy Selden and she is right there with him on the, you know, the the morning song mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff, but she's not a dancer. You know, she's got some basic skills that she can put on in front of front of the scene. And I'm not saying she's a hack. She's way better than I am, but she's not a dancer. And so, you know, Gene Kelly wants to do this big magical number. He needed to bring somebody on. And I think that's what's interesting about their approach to this movie overall, which is who gives a crap if all these songs have been done before or whatever. Let me show you what we can do with them if you let me run wild and the gotta dance Broadway song and Mm -hmm. all the way through with Sid Charisse is just uh, like, it's that's it's pure movie making. Yeah. It's like, you've seen gotta dance, but you've never seen it like this. Yeah, exactly. 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 Also totally off topic, but I waited until the podcast recording to tell you this, Claire, are you aware Debbie Reynolds is Carrie Fisher's mom? Carrie Fisher is Leia from star Wars. Debbie Reynolds, who plays Kathy Selden, is her mother. Yep, right? Amazing. 
very talented women. Now that makes sense. Why? Because they're both super talented. So it makes sense that they're family. I was like, Leia had to have, the character who played Leia had to have gotten it from somewhere. Yeah, that's true. Good logic. They're also both very beautiful women. All right. I think that's quite a bit about singing in the rain and also quite a bit about not singing in the rain. Do we have anything about singing in the rain that we haven't got to that anybody would like to get into? Oh, why did you go away? (laughs) (laughs) You know, what's funny about that, Claire, is the way that this gets edited, I think we're going to miss some of the picking up of the microphone from the left to the right sort of joke there. And I think some of that audio might get chopped out, but I appreciate your joke. <laughs> yes, that scene where they're trying to wire Lena for sound and she doesn't understand and the director keeps running out there and going, Lena, into the microphone. Sometimes, I'm not saying all the time, but sometimes when I am editing the tracks, that's what I want to say to the three of us. Some of us more than others. But when I'm there and I like, I'm losing this word, I just want to shout at us, into the microphone. Oh, sweet. Why did you come? Don't you want to? <laughs> I still like, oh, Pierre. <laughs> Pierre. Yeah, Pierre's pretty good. Her whole her whole shtick in that um, was pretty solid. Uh, and I, I can't stand him. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's perfect. I can't stand him. No, you see, I could clearly hear a D in the stand him. <laughs> I said stand him. It's got, it's got to be S T A N I M. I can't stand him. I can't stand him. All right, so I can't stand him. Pierre. Oh, Pierre. You shouldn't have. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. I like when they're doing the screening and the guy in the audience is like, who wrote that dialogue? Hey man, I thought I'd just go with some lines I crafted on the moment. A director who's new to talkies. Sure dude, whatever. Whatever, (laughs) just do it into the mic. I love you. I love you. Okay, I love but can we you. all I agree? Where, I love where she walks in and she's like just clattering with the pearls oh, and it's yeah. like clack, clack. All you can clack, hear. Clack. Like, What's wrong with this sound? No, that's clack. her necklace. Can we all agree though that RF yanking the microphone cord and upending Lena was hilarious? <laughs> yeah. Yes. It was like this is dangerous. <laughs> this is dangerous. That's but it was so finally good. going well. He's like, this is dangerous. Lena goes, ah. So I do want to say, though, before we wrap it up, for any parents listening, especially, you know, if you have kids that are not really into musicals historically and you're like, I don't know. I don't know if we would like this one. I don't know if we should watch this one. This movie has it all. It has great song numbers, fantastic dancing, but also comedy, a little bit of film history for your kids. You're also hearing it from someone who doesn't normally watch musicals. I've only ever watched like three or something. That's true. It's a very small number. You probably come by some love of it genetically, though, because your dad and I are all about the musicals. But anyway, you get a little bit of film history. There's some feminism in there, opportunities to discuss it. You can talk about 
judging books by their covers and judging people based on the way that they sound or look, it's got it all. I agree. Your kid is going through their talking backstage, show them this movie, and then they'll be like, okay, I'm not talking back to you again. Wait, because are you saying it's a punishment? <laughs> no, I'm saying that that if you really dig into what Lena is about, and your parents are showing you the movie, and they're like, watch this movie, and you'll understand where we're coming from, you see her manipulating them to try to get what she wants. That is what you are doing. You're manipulating your parents to try to get what you want, but it backfires. So, do you feel like you're out of your talking backstage? No. Okay, well, then we're on the same page, at least. (laughs) I just say you could try. (laughs) She didn't guarantee success. She just said it was worth the try. All right, last call for operation names. Have you had any thoughts? No, but I am still going with hashtag Operation Dancing Shoes. Operation Dancing Shoes is pretty solid. Or dance, or... or What was yours, Danielle? Operation Gluteus Fabulous. Operation Gluteus Fabulous or Operation Dancing Shoes. Um, but Gluteus hmm. Fabulous, you said you came up with because of Gene Kelly. Gene Kelly isn't in all of all of the musicals we're watching. Well, you know what? It's funny that you mentioned that because literally the thought going through my head right now is if you need any proof that Singing in the Rain is actually a dancing movie despite the title, after watching the film, both you and I came up with dancing references for the title. For the I operation name, always thought it was a dancing movie. Just saying, it's well because you, we keep, you kept trying to call it and, dancing in the rain. That's I mean, why you and me <laughs> called it dancing in the rain instead of singing. Right, in the but rain. the other half of the singing in the rain song is singing and, and dancing, dancing in, in the, the rain. rain. You're right. I, I mean, it's you're correct. Not a, it's not a huge no, stretch. No, you're correct. So but a lot of the I'm trying to I'm working my way mentally through the musicals that we have lined up. I think all of them are dance heavy. My Fair Lady is probably the least dance-heavy of all of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's a total... You got to understand, Claire. Your mom and I love the dancing musicals more than we love the singing musicals. Not to say that they, that they don't sing in dancing musicals so much, but there's definitely... There are movies where musicals involve singing and dancing, and there are movies where the musicals involve really just singing. And not, not neither are better than the other, but I, I definitely think your mom and I both prefer the, the ones that involve there, quite a bit of dancing. There are some that, that involve quite a lot of dancing, and there's there's quite a bit. Yeah. Well, and, and I would point out, too, that you'll find differences in the quality of both styles of things. In movies that and musicals that are more singing about singing than they are about dancing... There's probably a lot less physical movement, but then you would expect the people who are singing to have more demanding singing roles and have to have more talent to bring to the singing. I'm not saying that any of the people in Singing in the Rain are bad singers. I'm just, I, I think what Gene Kelly brings to the table is dance. Right. Um, and I, th- I think that he's a perfectly fair singer. Yeah, but if you contrast that with, I would say probably our favorite musical that is not very dance heavy would be fan of the opera. And very little dance in that because they're all wearing period costumes. Um, so you have like one dance number really in the whole... Um, Which is hilarious play. because they're a, they're a ballet. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a show about a haunted <laughs> ballet and right. there's almost no there's dancing. There's no dancing. It. But, but 
it is, I think, the only, certainly the only one I can think of, Broadway musical that requires an operatic range for its performers. Yeah, you don't need to demonstrate. We don't want to break people's windshields as they're driving. Yeah. So so it just, it depends on what you'll get out of it. And I'm thinking, um, like your mom said now, I'm thinking of the ones that we picked for this lineup. And I, I do think it is much more dance heavy, which is fine. But just know that there are different kinds, you know, just like there are different kinds of movies from comedy to drama and all that sort of stuff. So too can the skills that you see on the, the screen vary in terms of what they want to bring to light. Oh, Pierre, you shouldn't have come. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, Lena Lamont. All right, um, so that's going to wrap up our first episode of I'm Leaning Towards Operation Dancing Shoes. Uh, sorry, I don't know how to spell gluteus, Danielle. Um, I know how to spell gluteus. G-L-U-T-I-E-O-U-S. I don't think right? that's right. That is not right, but it is hysterically funny because the spelling that you have just provided would be... Um, like glamorous or glorious it's in that family of adjectives whereas gluteus refers to butt muscles it's g-l-u-t-e-u-s yeah so uh operation dancing shoes kind of like it better the way she spelled it though yeah i understand that and there's certainly a lot of room when you have an operation name to do a purposeful misspelling Mm -hmm. um but you know you didn't lean into that earlier so you kind of you missed it sorry you didn't ask me how i would have spelled it first of all and secondly i just wanted to be understood that i'm going to go everywhere that you advertise this and put my own hashtag great i think that's awesome okay um so that's going to wrap up our first episode of operation dancing shoes or operation gluteus fabulous depending on who's doing the promotional work for this uh it'll be me so it'll be operation dancing shoes almost certainly Stay tuned. Coming up next week, we're going to get into West Side Story, which I'm really excited about because we talked about that a little bit when we were talking about Rope. So that'll be a fun one. And uh, we've got a few others planned for this particular segment. We're going to spend a bit of time here. But yeah, so if you don't follow the podcast, find us on Twitter at B-A-C-E-A podcast. Wherever you listen to the show, please drop us a favorable rating. But if you have some time, Apple Podcasts is the big one for us. So if you could drop us a five-star review on there. We sure would appreciate that. That's the type of help that only listeners like you can provide as we seek to expand our audience. So on that note. Oh, Pierre, you shouldn't have come. We'll see you next time with Bye. West Side Story. Bye. <laughs>